This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie and helping Christians stay informed about government. This puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Did the Clinton campaign and FBI collude with Russia to undermine Donald Trump when he was a candidate? That's the question I'm going to attempt to answer today on the show Uh, You are listening to Exposing Washington with your host, Walker Wildman, on the American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you joining the show this Saturday afternoon. A lot of content to cover, as usual. Last weekend, we talked about what has become known as the FISA memo, the four-page FISA memo from the House Intelligence Committee. We went through the contents of it, what it means. This week, we're going to get into a Senate memo, a Senate FISA memo, which is a little bit longer, about 10 pages, but still a lot of good information there, and a lot of it's going to corroborate and define what we talked about last week on the show. And before before we jump into that, and we have a special guest with us, before we get on into that, here's how you can find out more about the show. You can visit AFR.net and visit the Exposing Washington podcast page. You can follow me on Twitter at Walker Wildman, at Walker Wildman on Twitter. A lot of the show content I post on my Twitter page before uh, the show airs, so you can kind of get a sneak peek into what we're going to cover. And lastly, you can email the show. This comes directly to my email account, exposingwashington at AFR.net, exposingwashington.net at AFR.net. I'll check those emails. If I find some interesting emails, I'll read them on the show. Uh, but, but what we talked about last week is the potential FBI and Department of Justice abuses, surveillance abuses. And uh, what we're learning is those two departments, specifically the FBI, used unverified information from a foreign agent as the basis for a warrant to spy on Donald Trump and his associates. And it is important to mention that at the time, the foreign agent that the FBI used, the foreign informant, was working for the Hillary Clinton campaign. And the information submitted to the court for the warrant to spy on Donald Trump and his associates was uncorroborated opposition research. And all of this is not from me, but it is from the actors and the key players involved and implicated in this investigation that the House Intelligence Committee is carrying out. But I wanted to bring on a guest, someone who has experience with the FBI and how serious of a process it is to apply for a warrant, really any warrant that you're applying for, where it implicates someone, a potential suspect, or someone's civil liberties. The application process is a very serious process. And so joining us to talk about that is retired supervisory special agent with the FBI, Bruce, and uh, Bruce is joining us. Bruce, thank you for joining the show. My pleasure. Uh, Many of you who listen to Sandy Rios in the morning uh, probably have heard Bruce. Bruce is Sandy's uh, husband. uh, Sandy is Bruce's wife, if that makes sense. 
Uh, so many of you have probably heard Bruce, maybe heard him uh, do some interviews with Sandy, uh, but I, I appreciate him coming on the show. Bruce, uh, how long did you work for the FBI? 24 years. Okay. Very long career, huh? Yes. I. Uh, it went by in a shot, but uh, it's hard to believe it was that long. Yeah, and, and we were talking before the, uh, we came on the show, and you were telling me a few of the cities you were uh, – do you call it stationed in or, or where you were uh, head, uh, based in? Where were some yeah. of those cities? Um, well, I started in Huntsville, Alabama, and I was there four years. Then I went out to Los Angeles, California, and I was there for eight years. Then to Chicago, Illinois for eight years, and then to FBI headquarters for three years. Okay. All right. Well, that's uh, uh, I appreciate your service to the country. Thank you very much. Uh, but uh, into this uh, warrant process, many who watch probably any kind of criminal show have seen or anyone who's been involved in law enforcement or law has seen the uh, when law enforcement gets a warrant on someone they think is a suspect to a crime. That is a serious process. And the reason I brought you on is because I wanted to ask a few questions about the warrant process to, to help our listeners understand that this is not like filling out your lunch form or... Uh, signing, you know, some minor agreement, uh, et cetera. This is a very, this, this implicates people's constitutional rights. And so in FBI training uh, and when you're going through FBI school, et cetera, uh, are agents taught and trained on the seriousness of the warrant application process, Bruce? Yes. Um, well, we are taught on that. I think where it comes uh, home how serious it is, is when you actually get into the field and you go on your first search warrant, uh, whether it be a physical search of somebody's home or whether it's a search of their email or a search of overhearing them, and you, it comes home to you the absolute intrusiveness of what we're doing. Um, I don't know if, I, uh, I know growing up, uh, you know, there were certain places in my parents' room, like you do not go in that drawer, you do not do this, you don't go in here. And, you know, here I am, their child. You can imagine if you have a stranger, a law enforcement person, going through what someone considers to be their most personal effects. Mm-hmm. It's very serious. Yeah, and I, and, and I knew that, and our listeners knew that, but to hear it from someone who has actually been in law enforcement and been through that experience, it's great to hear uh, someone reaffirm what we already uh, knew to be true. Um, and would you say, and this is this is going into the the uh, warrant process, whether it be a warrant from a local level or when it comes to a FISA warrant, which uh, to me seems to be one of the highest warrants you can seek when it comes to intelligence. Um, yes. Would you say, Bruce, that it is considered irresponsible and possibly illegal to present uncorroborated and unverifiable information to a federal court and and using that not just as a fraction of the evidence, but as the basis and the bulk of the evidence for a warrant. Absolutely. Uh, When I was uh, presenting FISA applications to the FISA court, um, the level of scrutiny that we gave the information that was included in those applications was painstaking. Mm -hmm. I mean, every single thing. And sometimes they were 100 plus pages long. And you had to make sure that everything in that warrant was okay. And there were times when literally we had the packet prepared. It had been signed by 
all of the people that need to verify it. And that includes the director of the FBI and the Attorney General of the United States. Mm -hmm. And I started walking it over to uh, present it to the FISA court. And we had a, um, uh, another department, it was called OIPR, uh, they're now called the Office of Intelligence, and they had sort of overview of all the intelligence agencies, including the FBI, and they kind of controlled what was presented to the FISA court, and they literally stopped me uh, on two occasions where we were ready to present the warrant because they had read through it and said, you know, we're not quite sure if this is verified to the standard we want, and I can tell you in both instances the information they were concerned about was very, very minor mm-hmm. in, in regards to what would have been in that warrant. Yeah. And I know the judge would have had no problem with what we had in there. But what I'm trying to say, Walker, is that this court relies on the credibility of the agencies that are coming to them. Yes. Um, it, it's a non-adversarial pr- uh, process. In other words, the people that the warrant is being sought against, they're not in the room. Right. They don't. They can't defend themselves. So us as the government, we have an extremely high burden that we do not do anything that would violate a person's constitutional rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Bruce, uh, we have short segments here, but I appreciate you coming on and giving our listeners. I know that really helped our listeners. Thank you for coming on and giving us a little background into the warrant process, especially the FISA process. My pleasure, Walker, and I hope your people will keep following it because this is a very important issue. Amen, amen. Thank you, Bruce. God bless. Thank you. All right, folks, there you have it. That's from someone who has worked for the FBI and has actually went through the FISA process and appealed uh, and, and applied and put an application at the FISA court, which is a secret court which not many people have access to except for top law enforcement officials. So that just proves what we all knew, and that is This is a serious offense. It is a serious offense to present false information or even not necessarily false, but unverifiable information to a federal court and present it as fact. That is a very serious offense. We talked about it last week. We're talking about it this week. Um, But a a a few important notes to mention that these FISA applications to spy on American citizens or to spy on foreign agents, these have to be renewed each 90 days. What that means to the story is that the application to spy on Donald Trump and his associates was renewed uh, three separate times that we know of, three separate times, and judges approved of it, approved of it on four separate occasions. And we, they, they used, the FBI used four separate uh, judges, we now know, four separate judges. And I want to play uh, a clip. This is clip one from Greg Jarrett on who is in legal jeopardy. Let's listen. There were so many chances for the FBI and the Department of Justice to do the right thing in it every turn. Time after time, they did the wrong thing. Who's in legal jeopardy tonight, Greg Jarrett? Anybody who signed off on this FISA warrant under penalty of perjury, anybody who represented themselves as an officer of a court and then committed a fraud on the court. When they first learned that all of this came from the Russians, experts on lies and deception, they should have said, Mr. Steele, goodbye and take your dossier with you. So, So Greg Jarrett's saying that this has serious implications, criminal implications. And to prove that this has criminal implications, 
the Senate Intelligence Committee, the Senate committee who's also investigating this, has put out their own memo, and it says that the FBI relied on admittedly uncorroborated information for the FISA warrant in front of federal judges. FBI relied on admittedly uncorroborated information for the FISA warrant to to spy on the Donald Trump campaign. So this is only the beginning, and there is a larger picture here of surveillance abuse by our own government. And in the next segment, I'm going to keep going into this, keep digging into this. You're not going to want to miss it. A lot of good information. I'm going to tell you my thoughts on Attorney General Jeff Sessions and what he should do after the break. Isn't that a beautiful sound? That sonogram holds the sound of a baby's heartbeat. Hi, I'm Jim Stanley, General Manager for AFR. We're partnering with the Ministry of Preborn to help save babies' lives. Preborn partners with pregnancy centers throughout America in helping abortion-minded women choose life through ultrasound. By letting a mother hear her baby's heartbeat and see her baby in the womb, she will choose life 80% of the time. Ultrasound is a game changer. For $140, you can provide five ultrasounds. All gifts are tax deductible, and 100% of your gift goes to saving babies. You can save a baby's life right here in America by donating to Preborn. To donate, dial pound 250 and say keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Or donate securely at preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Your love can save a life. Faith, family, freedom. American Family Radio, a ministry of the American Family Association. Every day in the red light districts of Mumbai, India, there are children as young as eight being trafficked and exploited. And it isn't just young girls they're looking for. Some men are looking for young boys. This cannot go on any longer. Team up with American Family Radio and India Partners. With your gift of just $7.08, you provide a day of safety and shelter at a new India Partners safe house far away from the city. That $7.08 means school, shelter, meals, and the love of Jesus. Coming up here on American Family Radio, we're going to address the issue of child trafficking, but we aren't going to do it in a way that is graphic or unsafe for your children to hear. But we will tell you now that we're going to address a topic that could, for some, be uncomfortable. We hope you'll listen and team up with American Family Radio and India Partners to provide hope for a new safe house for boys in the red light district. Get more information at AFR.net. Welcome back to Exposing Washington on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the show, Exposing Washington exclusively on the American Family Radio Network. It's your host, Walker Wildman. We had a former FBI supervisory agent, special agent, on last segment to talk about the seriousness of the warrant process, the seriousness of the warrant process. Before we move back on into this information, and and I provide more sources and more information that you're going to want to know, I want to explain my frustration with Attorney General Jeff Sessions. 
last week on the show, if any of whichever, whoever listened, heard my frustration, my very serious frustration with the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions. And I think my frustration was justified and is justified. But let me just say this. Is the Attorney General doing things in the timing and the order I think he should? No, he's not. And he has seemed to be slow in reacting or not reacting at all to the serious abuses and, and, and misconduct that his department has been responsible for, or people in his department have been responsible for. So, but I need to say that I do not think that Attorney General Jeff Sessions needs to step aside. I said it last week, and I was very frustrated, justifiably, but here, here's my reasoning after thinking about it. I don't think that if we lose Attorney General Jeff Sessions, I don't know who else we'll have up there. I don't know who we'll have in the Justice Department to at least oversee that justice is served. So I think Attorney General Jeff Sessions is up to his head in corruption and people he cannot trust. Not that he's corrupt, the people around him. I think he's around people he cannot trust, and I think he's having a hard time figuring out how to work, work his way through this. And I'm sure I've heard from different sources that he is doing good things behind the scenes regarding these surveillance abuses that we cannot see, that we cannot see. So I think he needs to get, get a hold of this. I think he needs to publicly appoint a special counsel to look look into these surveillance abuses, but I think he is a good man, um, and I'm willing to give him a little time. I'm willing to give him a little time to prove that he is going to take care of the injustices that have been committed by people in his department. Another person I want to commend is Congressman Devin Nunes. Congressman Devin Nunes has been uncovering all of these abuses, and a lot of this information we're talking about comes from his committee. Um, but I want to move on to uh, the memo, the Senate memo. And it says, I mentioned last segment, that the Senate memo says that the FBI admittedly relied on unverifiable information to apply for the FISA warrant. Also, also in this uh, memo that we're learning about, the memo also says this. On the face of the dossier, talking about the opposition research gathered by Christopher Steele, this is directly from the Senate memo. On the face of the dossier, it appears that Mr. Steele gathered much of his information from Russian government sources inside of Russia. And the reason I mention that is because everybody's been blaming Donald Trump for collusion, but it appears that the only collusion that was going on was between Russia, Russian officials, and the Clinton campaign. That's where the collusion has been exposed. So the whole false narrative that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians to win the election is a farce. There's been no evidence to corroborate that, but yet the evidence we do have shows that the Russians worked with the Clinton campaign. And another really bombshell 
that is not being talked about at all is that there might also have been collusion between the Britain Intelligence Service and our own CIA and FBI. That's right. The British Intelligence Service was possibly spying on the Trump campaign and Trump, Donald Trump, long before the FBI entered the picture with the FISA application. And where I get this is two sources. Two sources is where I get this information. And here you go. This is from The Guardian. This is from The Guardian, which is a newspaper in Europe. The Guardian's, the headline of this says, British spies were first to spot Trump teams linked with Russia. British spies were first to spot Trump teams links with Russia. The first paragraph reads, Britain's spy agency played a crucial role in alerting their counterparts in Washington, which would be the CIA, to contacts between members of Donald Trump's campaign team and Russian intelligence operatives, The Guardian has been told. That's one source, which The Guardian, um, I wouldn't bet my life on their, on their reporting, but it does, it's coming from there, and I don't know why they would lie about this. My second source, which is very reliable, in my opinion, is Judge Andrew Napolitano on Fox News. Here is a clip, this is clip two, of Judge Andrew Napolitano talking about the Obama administration using British intelligence to spy on Donald Trump and his associates. Let's listen. Okay, so the, the statutes authorize the President of the United States to order the surveillance of any person in the United States of America without suspicion, without probable cause, and without a warrant, meaning he doesn't have to go to yeah. a court to do it. So he can order the NSA, which already has the digital version of our phone calls, to, to transcribe the digital version into a transcript and give it to him. But if he does that, there's a record of the order. Right. So three intelligence sources have informed Fox News that President Obama went outside the chain of command. He didn't use the NSA. He didn't use the CIA. He didn't use the FBI. And he didn't use the Department of Justice. He used GCHQ. What the heck is GCHQ? That's the initials for the British spying agency. They have 24-7 access to the NSA database. So by simply having two people go to them saying, President Obama needs transcripts of conversations involving candidate Trump, conversations involving President-elect Trump, he's able to get it. And there's no American fingerprints on this. I cannot believe that I just heard that. And I've listened to that clip a dozen times, and it was back from, that clip was taken in March of Andrew Napolitano, Judge Napolitano on Fox News. Shortly after President Trump tweeted about his phones being wiretapped in Trump Tower during the transition and the election, I cannot believe that, what I just heard. And what Judge Napolitano is saying, and the sources that he has are saying, is that President Obama used the British intelligence agency called GCHQ, I don't know what that stands for. GCHQ, something headquarters, obviously. But that's the British Intelligence Agency. It's the, it's the equivalent of our NSA or our CIA. He said, Judge Napolitano said, that the British have 24-7 access 
to the NSA database. And what does the NSA database have? The NSA database has mine and your phone calls. My phone calls and your phone calls along with our emails and text messages. That's what Judge Napolitano just said, and I believe him. Because we've known for years that the NSA hoards hoards all of this data, irrelevant data, random messages and phone calls, all for the sake of being able to dig it up at a later date if they need it. And so I, I trust Judge Napolitano on this. And the reason I trust him is, first off, he has a very good record of credibility. Second off, Fox News fired him, essentially. I don't know if that's the term they used, but they let him go. They let Judge Napolitano go like the day after he made these claims on Fox and Friends on Fox News Channel. Well, they let him go because they thought, oh, there's no way that President Obama would do that. How dare you make such a claim? You're going to get us sued, etc., etc. Well, guess what? Two weeks later, maybe a week later, He's back on Fox News. You know why I think he's back on Fox News a week later? This, this all happened in March. is because Judge Napolitano took his evidence and his sources up to the executive's office in Fox News and said, Looky here. I'm correct. You're wrong. You ought to put me back on the job. And I don't know if he threatened to sue or not. I doubt it. But Fox News recanted, brought Judge Napolitano back on Fox News because he was right. Because I believe he was right. And I've heard from other people inside on, on this information, other insiders, and they say, too, that the CIA, the CIA was fed intelligence and data from the British Intelligence Service on Donald Trump. And I'll post all of these sources on the Exposing Washington podcast page. On the Exposing Washington podcast page, you can find all of these sources that I will link to. Well, to summarize the show and to summarize what I've all I've talked about here, it's a lot of information, but I trust that the listeners, that my listeners, are sophisticated people. Despite what Washington thinks of you and thinks of us and the mainstream media thinks of us, they think we're Looney Tunes who have no idea what we're talking about and we can't keep up with the basic information coming out of Washington. Well, I know that the American people are way more sophisticated and way smarter than the people in Washington who think we're dumb. We're not. We know what they're doing. We know their games. But they don't think we do. And I'm just glad that all of this is coming out and that the American people are learning of the abuses of power that our government has been carrying out and participating in for who knows how long. I'm sure this was not just an Obama administration problem. This seems to be a problem that has been going on for a long time. Well, you've been listening to Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio Network. I want to encourage you that the American people are learning the truth about what's going on in Washington and what has gone on in Washington. And I believe that in due time, justice will be served. But in the meantime, we must be diligent. The American people must be diligent in demanding truth from Washington so that justice may prevail. You've been listening to Exposing Washington with your host, Walker Wildman, AFR.net, to find out more information about the show. We'll, we'll talk to you next week.